Welcome to the Winner's Playbook with Steve and Josh. Disclaimer, the information contained in this podcast is general in nature and does not take into account your personal circumstances. Please head to the show notes if you wish to book a free 15-minute call to discuss your personal situation. All right, welcome back to the Winner's Playbook. My name's Steve. I'm here with Josh, mate, first couple of weeks back. How was your break and Christmas and New Year, the silly season as they call it? Yeah, the silly season. Yeah, it was a good, good break for me, Steve. Obviously, we had a big year just within within the business, so I, you know, felt like I earned the break. And weirdly yeah. enough, I actually relaxed more than I, I thought I would. Kind of kept the laptop away, which Alana, my wife, was very happy with. But yeah, we had a really big year, so I actually took some time. Was up in Queensland for a little bit there in Harvey Bay, just relaxing. The weather was pretty average though. I think the cyclone had been through the week before, so it was very windy. But nevertheless, good to get away. And then the second half of it just down here in Melbourne relaxing rejuvenating went down to the hot springs and just came back fresh last week just ready to to rip into it how about you yeah same mate look at the weather was pretty average but uh, just a couple of weeks down the coast here in adelaide and on the beach with the kids and uh, yeah tried to like you just try to not think about work for a bit of time but as business owners you're never really off you know like you can pretend to uh, say you're off but if something goes wrong you got to get onto it yes so, mate, last year we spoke a lot about property. Property is always, um, I suppose, a popular topic in the Australian market when it comes to investing and, and living, and especially with the cost of property these days and, and you know, and servicing property has become quite difficult. So I've definitely seen this in the, in the back of last year, but buying property within your superannuation compared to buying it in your own name or in a, in a company structure, et cetera, we're seeing a bit, a lot more of it now, and there's a lot more talk about it, and that's mainly because of the servicing of, you know, your servicing of loans outside your bank is quite difficult. What's your take on it? Yeah, we, you know, property is definitely a hot topic. Like personally, myself, I just settled on a, an investment property just recently. So, you know, we're well and truly all of the the team of advisors, like we practice what we preach. If we're talking about buying properties and growing our wealth, like that's that's what we're doing for ourselves as well. But yeah, I, I see a lot in the property space, like predominantly a lot of my clients are generally in the wealth accumulation phase of life. And if they're really earning, trying to build their wealth, it generally makes sense to buy property as well as a way of, you know, really leveraging up and taking you know, a small amount of money, say $100,000, which we could invest into the share market, but maybe, maybe we instead spread that out and buy an asset worth five or $600,000 being a, being a property. And, and naturally Australians obviously just absolutely love property. And I guess an, an interesting one was looking at the growth rates over the last 12 months. Interest rates have been going up at the fastest rate we've ever seen. And some of the, the, the growth around Australia in the property market has been quite, quite amazing. So I think there's a lot of people kind of with FOMO and, and not wanting to, wanting to miss out. So it's definitely a lot of conversations that we're having in that space, but particularly what are we talking about today? Self-managed super funds. It's, it's a big area that we do a lot of work around when it makes sense for a client's uh, situation. And, and there's reasons why we do look at self-managed super funds, particularly if people maybe hit their servicing limit in their own individual name and can't buy more property. Maybe it does make sense to consider something like a, a self-managed super fund to 
look at possibly buying a property. And I think for us, Steve, at Link Wealth, like we don't generally look at self-managed super funds unless there is a desire and need and it's a right thing to do to actually consider buying property. And again, that we'll talk about that could be a residential investment property or even for business owners buying a commercial premises and, and leasing that back to yourself. So what about just the nuts and bolts, Steve, of like how does a self-managed super fund differ just to your regular fund just to begin? Yeah, look, not there's not much difference, to be honest. The tax rates are the same. They're governed very similar. The legislation is very similar to your normal industry funds or normal retail funds. I think the major difference is now this is your fund. As a person, you, you, you've you got a lot of more responsibility to make sure it's governed correctly. And you can obviously have advisors in there to help you do that. But you've got to be, you know, step up and, and manage it with your advisors or your partners and just control what's going on. Because at the end of the day, the buck now stops with you rather than an institution or an industry fund. But when it comes down to the nuts and bolts of it, it's pretty similar, exactly the same. You know, the tax is the same. The way we operate them is the same to our normal industry funds. But as you said, you know, these days, you can do a hell of a lot with your standard retail funds, wrap accounts and industry funds that you couldn't do 20 years ago. And now you can do a hell of a lot with this. So we've got to have a very good reason. It's got to be in the best interest of the client at all times to open up these self-managed super funds. But if the conversation goes that property is involved and the client's got a long-term view with that property, are willing to hold it, or, or they can always buy sell within super, that's no problem, but, but willing to leave the money uh, alone and not get access to it for as a long period of time, absolutely, a self-managed fund could be could be on the table. Yeah, and what what about some of the minimum guidelines and parameters? And there's no set and right way of of doing this, of course. But I know when I'm having conversations with clients, it's I don't really even bring up the conversation unless there's a few key you know items or areas of their life and earning certain amounts of income, you know, stable jobs, maybe got a certain superannuation balance and and things like that. So like what what are some of the like minimum standards or, you know, things you want to see clients have before you would even open up a conversation around one? Yeah, I think probably knowledge to start, you know, like yeah. they've got to understand the finance system, the super system and property system if we're going to buy property. You know, you don't want to be really not educated in that to some level to start with. So if they're not there, we'll educate them before we start doing this process. Then there's sort of a minimum balance situation. So we really need to have a minimum balance of 250, minimum to 300 of a balance to really get it to a position where it's beneficial to the client. There yeah. are ways we can build that. You know, if we're not there, we can obviously take equity out of their uh, properties outside super and then do some contributions into super to get the balance up. But also, I think you got to remember, we, we can have multiple people that, that can be in a fund mm. these days. So you're going to have up to six members in a fund. So, yeah, you can join you know, super with your friends or family, whoever it may be. It doesn't need to be your family. It can be your friends. So there's a number of ways we can approach it to get it across uh, up and up and going. But that's probably your, your starting point, you know, 250 to 300K starting point. And then we can open up the conversation really from there. Yeah, and then if we talk specifically then around property, I was having I've had a lot of conversations uh, with people just as of late, and I guess just talking about property in itself, you know, for, for well, for me personally, when I'm uh, weighing up whether that's a viable strategy for someone, like I like to see that they have a minimum time frame that they're going to be holding that property for before we even think about uh, doing it. And I usually say it's got to be at least an eight to ten year time frame that we're looking at here, so we can go the ups and downs in the in the market. Is is that generally a bit of how you? approach it as well yeah, totally yeah yeah it's got to be a long-term view definitely yeah. with property whether it's inside super or outside super right we yeah it's clearly got a, it's a long-term investment and like buying 
uh, any growth assets, including shares, managed funds, and ETFs. You know, it's not a one to two to three, even five year time frame, right? It's a it's a ten year time frame, and you just got to keep build, building that asset base over ten years, and don't worry about what happens in that noise of one to two years or three years. If it drops, it doesn't it doesn't matter, right? You've just got to make sure you can pay the bills, pay the servicing, pay the loans, and look for the long term of building that asset base for the future. Yep. And, and I guess with the self-managed super funds, the, the big way it differs from your regular super fund is you can actually borrow and take on debt, which is what we're talking about here and in, in buying properties. And there's obviously a few moving parts there. There's the what's called a LRBA arrangements, which is probably worth mentioning. And then there's also a bear trust. So there's a bit of structuring and this is stuff you need to seek advice in relation to because there's a few different moving parts and and parties that you need to to be aware of. But what about talking about some of the, like the borrowing, Steve, what do we, you know, how much can you borrow through? an SMSF, what sort of rates are you going to be looking at if, if you were considering this? Yeah, so we work in with Eddie Maleb, who runs our Linkwell Finance business. He's the senior broker there. And he, the, the good news is there's a variety of banks now that are lending in this space. Look, in the past, you used to have to have a 30% deposit in a self managed fund. That's actually increased now to 20%. So you can actually get away with an 80% lend and only 20% deposit. That's actually quite new, that change. Yeah. Look, the rates are a bit higher. There's no doubt about it. You're talking, you know, these days investment loan outside super residential loans are 6.5% or give or take. You're probably talking the low 7% mark really to, yep. to get a loan. But, you know, as long as it stacks up and we <laughs> see the long-term benefits of it, you know, that that rate is, you know, it's while it's important and it's a factor, we definitely, you know, look at all the aspects of the, the investment to make sure it stacks up. Yeah, and that's obviously what we're doing as, as advisors. Like we're doing these plans long term and and that's the the thing I really walk my clients through in relation to this. And if we start, you know, painting a, a scenario of a situation, say someone's got four hundred thousand dollars between themselves and, and their partner, say that is combined into a self-managed super fund. Really the benefit of buying property through the self-managed super fund is the leverage that you get. So you take your four hundred thousand dollars of total asset that you may have at this point in time, maybe you take twenty percent of that put as your down payment uh, for the investment property that you're going to be buying and then you borrow the rest and then you take your total asset value of say 400k that you've got inside super and I've worked with a couple of clients and their assets have now doubled within 12 months because yeah. they've still got some funds left over in a self-managed super fund which most importantly which we can talk about is still diversified so we don't want to see kind of everything into the property we still want to leave some funds left over in cash to you know cover any shortfall between rent and other expenses but also have some diverse Diversification, still got your shares, your managed funds, and your ETFs, and and so on in there. But it's taking them from an asset base of say 400 to 800 because they've now got uh, money left over. They've now got a, say a five or six hundred thousand dollar property as an example, and then still funds left over in a diversified portfolio. So they've doubled their asset base in in 12 months. And then if you take the view of, all right, what about their 400k? growing at seven or eight percent per annum compounding year after year versus now eight hundred thousand dollars growing at say seven or eight percent compounding for the next 15 20 30 years that's where you see more of the magic happening in that compound interest and and that growth and it's not a short-term conversation uh, that we're having here but that's definitely how I like to sort of show clients and I know for us at link like we definitely want to keep diversification in there and what yeah. what about some up some of that Steve like with that diversification like if they've already got property in their own name yeah, we're still going to consider maybe buying through the super, but we don't generally tend to put every bit of money they've got into the actual property purchase, do we? No, that's right. It's got to be it's got to be overarching. Whatever we're doing is in line with the goals that they want to achieve, whatever those 10-year retirement goals are. And 
that whether it's a self-improvement or anything else, we just need to make sure it's all aligned to achieving those goals. And absolutely, that can't just be focused on super. We, we focus at link on, on inside super and outside super money. We definitely want those investments working away with us outside superannuation. And the reason being, like a lot of times, people want to create those passive incomes before 60. So if we yes. want to create a passive income and take the pressure off work before age 60, well, we need to focus on outside super because you can't access money from super until you're 60. So it's really important you get the right advice here because if you're sticking all your money in super and you want to have a passive income stream before age 60, well, that's not the right strategy most of the time. So absolutely, yeah. we diversify. And if you're going to go property, you also want to have a portfolio of managed funds or ETFs or whatever it may be for that liquidity as well as growth assets at the same time and also diversification across, across asset classes mm. because you can't get you know, uh, international shares, for instance, is totally different to Australian residential property, right? So we need to diversify across those asset classes. Yeah, I think that's a, a good point you you mentioned about the actual accessing of superannuation. So for anyone listening here, you go out and buy an investment property through your super, there's some strict rules in relation to who can actually live in it and it all has to be at arm's length. So you can't just slot your your sister, say, in that property, so to speak, and, and have it rented back to you. So there are some pretty critical rules you need to be aware of. But then once it's inside the super fund, yeah, you can't access it until the earliest of, of age 60. But then it's also worth then noting what's happening throughout that time and the tax rates, which you alluded to earlier, Steve, around superannuation is the most tax efficient environment in australia and yep. the income from that asset up until 60 uh is taxed at 15 percent. any income generated or earnings through the the underlying fund but if you did say have to sell that property at any point in time uh and you've owned the property for over 12 months you're essentially paying a 10 percent um, tax rate on that because you do get a um, a discount when you've owned the asset uh, for over a 12 month period of time which is worth noting but then this is where i, I do speak to my clients about in saying all right, well, what if we're holding the property to 60 and beyond? Maybe that's when we're going to start thinking about retiring. After age 60, once the super's in the retirement phase or transferred into a pension phase or into a pension account, that pro property could actually be sold tax-free. And yeah. that's where I speak to my clients and go, okay, well, what if we could buy one in our own individual name right now versus inside the super? And maybe we've got a 20-year time frame. And if we say, all right, we could buy for 500K and, and let's just take a conservative assumption and say that property doubled in value over 20 years, which is pretty average, but let's just say that's what happened. If yep. you then wanted to sell that property, but the property is in your own individual names, you're going to be up for a fair amount of capital gains tax with that. And you could be paying tax rates as high as 45 percent which is which is a lot whereas yeah. if that's through the super and you're after uh, you, you've reached age 60 and say retired or satisfied one of the different uh, conditions of release you could then sell that property and pay no capital gains tax whatsoever so you've got to really weigh up weigh up some of that and and i guess another point worthy of noting is properties these days that you're buying, they're probably going to be negatively geared because of where interest rates are at, at this present moment. And then you've got your other expenses you're paying with that property. So your rent is usually not going to be covering all of your expenses initially until the rent, you know, rents rise and, and maybe interest rates come down a, a little bit. So you might get that negative gearing benefit. So you're funding the shortfall. Whereas if it's in your superannuation fund, your super fund will be funding all of that and none of that's actually impacting your cash flow and personal life as well, which is sometimes a consideration I am speaking to my clients about because they've got families and they're very conscious of what's happening with their cash flow. And maybe that is then possibly a reason why, yeah, we consider maybe doing the property uh, via the SMSF because none of it actually impacts the their, their personal cash flow, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. And Josh, you got any examples recently that you've worked on with clients with setting up a self-managed super fund? 
Yeah, I've had quite a few. And I guess just talk about the key um, members of that team. It's not just us doing all of that work as well. So there's the clients, they've got their responsibility, the advisors, more of the visionary and setting out those plans and whether or not it's even a viable strategy in the first place. But then who else is in the equation for a self-managed super fund? You're usually going to have your accountant, of which we do have those, you know, obviously services at LinkWealth, LinkWealth Group as well. Your accountant setting up the actual entity, setting up the self-managed super fund. Usually there's going to be a corporate sort of structure with that as well. So all of that gets set up by your accountant. And, and then, then you also might have a, a buyer's agent actually helping with the, the underlying selection of the property. So I've had a, a handful of clients just in the last probably quarter alone who have done exactly that. And they've been a mixture of those in like probably in their 30s, 40s, and some even creeping into their sort of late 40s and, and early 50s, but all of them of which they're going to be holding that property long term, no real vision of actually ever probably selling that property uh, until retirement. But yeah, for, for me, they've all had good, healthy balances, really good, stable jobs, a nice amount of contributions going into those superannuation funds, a certain level of definitely financial literacy, but you know, they don't try to do it all themselves as well. And I, it, funnily enough, I had a conversation with a person and just a couple of hours ago around this who's been trying to set up a self-managed super fund and buy a property and there was some immediate red flags when I was speaking to this individual around their balance was quite small in my opinion and yeah. they had they were getting issues around pulling money out of super and an accountant had sort of set it all up before it should have even been done so you got to get your team around you right I think before you consider going on this uh, journey because there's a lot of things you've got to be aware of and that's why usually you've got your advisor you've got your accountant the mortgage broker doing the loan and, and you might also have a, a buyer's agent um, that you're working with but you know, we're speaking a lot about buying residential property, Steve. Have you had any clients in the past, business owners that have done commercial? Have you have you had that I have, before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Factories in particular. I've had a few yep. factories. So I've had, you know, mechanics. I've had construction guys buying their own, you know, housing for the construction equipment, things like that. So yeah, it, it can be a very common strategy and a very, to be honest, a very good, favorable strategy, that one, because it's tax effective, it, you own it, you're renting it from yourself, effectively, it's the only time you can do it with super is use it yourself with, as your business owner. Yeah, I've only seen quite positive things from that occurring. It's been a very, very good strategy for some of my clients. Yeah, and is there any, you know, I suppose drawbacks or the restrictions on the self-managed super fund side of things around, all right, well, well can I go and buy property and can I, could I knock it down and start developing it or could I, you know, put a, a granny flat out the back? So I know that the, the rules around that, you've got to be very careful because that's a common question we get is developing and, and things like that through super. What What's just a bit of the, what yeah. you need to watch for there? Yeah, you've got to really do your numbers and, and make sure you get the right advice here because if you get stuck, it can be huge penalties if you get it wrong. But in a nutshell, if you're lending money, you can't develop the property. So you can't make additions to the property. You can't do any construction on the property, et cetera. And most people lend these days to do any of that type of stuff. So it really has to be an existing building or factory or whatever it may be that, you, that you're buying. And look, the, the risk is that, you know, clearly there's a, a, a legislation risk, you know, because they can change the rules. Uh, and once you've got your money into super, you can't get it back out until you're age 60. So, uh, look, you know, yeah, that 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 can be an issue. Um, hopefully, they don't change the rules too much with, with with that sort of stuff. And we haven't seen significant changes, really. I don't I don't feel. Um, but the, clearly, the biggest one is you can't get the money back out until a certain point in time. So if you did want yep. to use that money for any particular reason, you actually can't do it, and you definitely don't want to break the rules and and go that way because the penalties are, are huge and you wouldn't want to go there. So, so that's probably the main, the major ones. But just getting it right and just making sure it's it's part of the overall strategy, I think, is key. 
don't walk into getting a self-managed super fund just because you've got your eyes focused on a self-managed super fund. It's got to be part of the overarching wealth generation for the family. Yep. And getting everything tied in together is absolutely key when it comes to a self-managed super fund. Yeah, no, to totally agree. And I think that's sort of good to, to end on, Steve, is, you know, a lot of clients that we're working with doing this, like they are typically buying properties that there's really no maintenance with because they're generally going to be, you know, long, long-term holds is generally what they're doing. But I think the key message here is just, you know, speak to the right professionals before diving into something like this uh, yourself. Because even for us, the rules are always changing. We need to stay up to date with all of that and how it all it all really looks looks and feels. So I think a key note is you just got to have your your professionals around you and have that team there that can manage it all for you, so you don't you know get stung uh, with any of the things that can go wrong with a, a self managed super fund. Which ultimately, I have seen people that set them up ten plus years ago that should never have had one in the first place, and it's all yeah gone wrong, and then they have to wind it down, and there's cost to set them up of course it's not cheap just to set up a self-managed super yeah. fund and then there's also your ongoing costs that you need to weigh up in terms of the the ongoing maintenance of it so before we close out steve any anything else worthy of noting on the smc no, look, they, they can be a very good wealth generation strategy very very good and they can really benefit the right person do your numbers get the right advice and uh, you, you know well worth looking into couldn't agree more. So guys, that's all we've got time for today. So yeah, obviously this is just the first first podcast uh, back. Please give us a follow on all of the social medias, Spotify and Apple as well. Five stars if you're actually getting some value in relation to this. And as always, if you do want to actually chat about your personal financial situation, go onto the website Link Wealth Group and you can take your pick of the actual financial advisors. It's not just Steve and myself within the business. And Steve likes to think he's a little bit better looking than me. So you can be the judge of that and choose who you, you want to speak to. But yeah, as always, guys, feel free to come through to us if you do have any questions in relation to this. And Steve, I'll see you on the next one. See you, mate. Bye.